Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wild Card Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Monday, August 30th. I'm your host, Jason Moser. And on this week's financial show, we'll take a closer look at Build.com's most recent earnings report. A firm opens itself up to what could be a very meaningful market opportunity. And we've got a couple of stocks we're watching this week as earnings season wraps up. Joining me, as always, this week, it's certified financial planner, Mr. Matt Frankel. Matt, happy college football season. That's a good way to look at what's going on this week. Got to say, glass half full, right? Well, we we talked all last week about how some companies were bad at spinning stuff and others were good, and you just spun this week really well. Well, I'm trying to get things kicked <laughs> off on the right foot here, man. Uh, so, Matt, listen, we we were following this story late last week, and I tell you, it was a banner day for Bill.com shareholders. I feel very fortunate to uh, be able to include myself in that group, and and I got a lot of uh, a lot of very positive comments uh, throughout the day on Twitter as well. Because Bill.com reported a strong uh, quarter, the market uh, reaction to that to that report was uh, let's just say enthusiastic. I mean, stock uh, shares shares finished up around thirty percent for the day. Um, you know, and going through these results, I mean, there are a lot of great parts to this story, but, but to me, I feel like it really, to me, at least it, it seems like it really all boils down to the guidance. They, they, it sounds, it sounds like they've got one heck of a year lined up here. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of been a banner year for bill.com shareholders. You know, this better than anybody, the stock's up 180% in one year, including this move. Um, and it's not hard to see why. I mean, they're, they're, their business is really catching on, and they're still in the early stages, which is kind of the key. A lot of people have said things to the effect – I've seen tw- uh, tweets to the effect of, why is Bill.com so highly valued? There are stocks with higher growth rates out there. And, and it, to be fair, it is. It's not a cheap stock by any, by any means. Um, re- I mean, revenue was up a little over 50% year over year in their fiscal year. This was their fourth fiscal quarter, by the way. Uh, in the fourth quarter, it was up 86%, so it's accelerating, which is nice. Um, customer counts up 24%. Yeah, nice, but not the stellar growth rates you see from some of these, you know, these tech companies. The thing is that they have not really captured their addressable market opportunity. Um, their trailing 12-month revenue is a little under a quarter billion dollars, $238 million to be exact. Their domestic market opportunity, just in the U.S., between the six million small and medium-sized businesses, is a $12 billion market. Internationally, it's a $40 billion market. So they're at less than 1% of that right now. And I think that's what's the most exciting thing. Not only is their growth rate accelerating, but they're accelerating into this huge market, which I guess is one of the reasons you own shares. Uh, well, yeah, that is one of the reasons why I own shares. Um, I, so, I mean, to your point on the valuation, because I think this is something you know, Chris uh, Hill and I and Emily, we were talking about this last week on Motley Fool Money, and I, I am not going to sit there and say, oh, wow, this just looks like a an ideal entry point for, for this business. It's difficult to make that argument. And the reason I say that, the stock is valued at 130 times gross profit. I mean, it, it is still working towards that 
path to profitability, so to speak. So we are judging this company based on price to sales, price to gross profit, any which way you cut it. This is an expensive looking stock. Now, to be fair, uh, when we were talking about this uh, company, along with Lemonade, I believe it was, you and I were talking on this show several months back um, about the the stocks that we were getting ready to buy, and you were talking about Lemonade, and I was talking about Bill.com. Even at that time, I mean, you could make the argument the stock looked terribly overvalued even then. But I I think to your point, it it is that market opportunity. It's a massive one. And I think that also when you look at this business, there are network effects at play here that probably um, some folks maybe just don't really think of. And, and, And I think that when you look at the customer base that they have, it's not just the customer base, but it's all of the other parties that are participating in that network. And so you look at the end of the quarter, and they have over 3.2 million network members. That was up 28% from a year ago. And, and that is resulting in those robust numbers you're talking about growing in pay, growth in payment transactions, growth in, in total payment volume. I mean, all of those key performance indicators uh, continue to tell a story of a business that's just capitalizing. Um, I guess that, that, makes me want. I mean, where do we go from here? I mean, we're seeing some acquisitions, aren't we? I mean, they, they're making a couple of acquisitions along the way to to maybe expand that market opportunity. Yeah. And that's a big part of this thesis. I'm really glad you brought that up. They have the, uh, I saw in their quarter, they had the 124% net dollar retention rate, meaning their current customers spend more and more over time. So it's not just that 21% customer count growth, their customers are spending more and it's because they're finding more value in all of the services that bill.com offers. And that's just going to grow over time too. And this is kind of where I think of Lemonade. I like, I love that comparison. Lemonade's numbers look terrible uh, if you just look at it on a valuation basis compared to where they are right now. Even including some of their growth, it looks very overvalued in a, for an insurance company, especially. But you look at some of the adjacent products and services they can offer, and how they're going to go into uh, auto insurance, which isn't reflected in their results at all at this point. Um, just kind of with Bill.com, they mentioned one statistic. You have any idea what the business-to-business payment volume around the world is right now? Um, I don't, but I have a feeling you're getting ready to tell me. I am. Good, good intuition there. Um, <laughs> it's twenty-five <laughs> trillion dollars. Wow. Wow. That's, that a lot of companies don't make anything from. And and the process of getting money from a business to a business is clunky in a lot of cases. Yeah, it um, is. It is. If you think of, you know, if, if you, how many invoices, you know, end up in just someone's email, then they have to wait till that person opens their email and then they have to, you know, wait till that person's payroll department or their, their accounts payable department gets a check in the mail. It's just a clunky process and a lot of room for improvement, which I, and that's a huge, huge opportunity um, to really kind of capture some of that. And that's really where bill.com adds value. And it's all these adjacent value adding products and services they can bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah, I mean you had the the acquisition of Divi which that was it's a 2 and a half billion dollar deal. They've closed on that acquisition. Uh Divi ultimately helping uh companies focus on business spending management. Um and and I've always compared that to another another company in this space Coupa Software which if you like Coupa then I mean I think you'll understand at least the the potential there with that Divi acquisition and why bill.com made that move. Uh and then in July they also announced that they will be acquiring another little company called Invoice2Go, 
which is a mobile-first accounts receivable solution. It's used by more than 225,000 small businesses around the, around the country. Um, and, and that's a much smaller deal, 600 and some odd uh, million dollar acquisition there. But when you put those two together, I mean, Bill.com is guiding for 100% revenue growth this coming year. Now, I mean, that that's not going to be fully organic, right? I mean, part of that part of that is is these acquisitions. So, I, I guess a question I have for you, generally speaking, as an investor, how do you view companies that are using the strategy of, of growth via acquisition? I mean, clearly, Bill.com is growing organically, right? That's not really an issue. Um, it is making some acquisitions along the way, but it doesn't seem like those are really uh, acquisitions meant to shore up weaknesses in the business. It seems like these are acquisitions meant to expand the market opportunity. How do you view businesses that make acquisitions in order to keep that growth uh, that growth accelerating? Well, one recent example I know is is Square. Um, they're they're acquiring Afterpay, and it's not to shore up their existing business. They're not in the buy, buy now pay later business. It's to provide an adjacent kind of a, an adjacent service to their ecosystem of what forty million users in their in the cash app. So it, it's really it, it. I think of it kind of in that context, and this is kind of what I was. This is how you're going to keep that net dollar retention rate at one hundred twenty percent or higher is by acquiring business acquiring businesses that kind of add on a, other things to your business. This is what's going to fuel Square's growth. They're not buying it just so they can add Afterpay's customers to their client base. They're adding it so their existing 40 million customers use what Afterpay has to offer. And that's kind of what where Bill.com comes in. You mentioned 3.2 million people in their network. So every time they add one of these incremental businesses, it does something different. That's something that could eventually be applied to their entire customer base, and and ge- and generate growth in that way. Which I mean, we mentioned that I I thought I think Square's afterpay the price they're paying twenty nine billion dollars is a lot, but I could be wrong if that adds that much value to their existing business. Yeah, I mean, I, and and that's just it. I mean, that that remains to to be seen, of course. I mean, I think we had. We had talked about that Square deal before, and I think there was probably a time component there that that played into that offer. But generally speaking, I mean, to your point, I mean that that just cannot be that cannot be overstated the value in that network. And when you make these acquisitions, and you can plug those ancillary services and those value added propositions to that massive network. I mean, they just we've we've seen it in in social networking, for example. I mean, obviously Facebook being the shining example. Um, and, and I mean, I, I would even look to a company like PayPal as, as, as having uh, done the same sorts of things. And and so it just really goes to show if if you have that that growing network of users. Yeah, I mean, the acquisitions that are not meant to necessarily shore up a weakness or something that uh, you're doing poorly, uh, but rather opening up additional market opportunities. I mean, it, it, it requires a little bit of patience still. Right? It requires a little bit of a leap of faith. But I think you can look at those types of companies that are making those acquisitions. I think you can look at them a little bit differently, right? I mean, I, I understand folks who don't like businesses that uh, grow via acquisition, but but those are not all created equal. Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, at some point, you really kind of have to, yeah. don't you? Well, I mean, at some point, um, yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, I mean, there's only so much you could build out in an existing line of business. There's a finite market opportunity everywhere. Um, and part of, part of growth into a giant market opportunity like Bill.com has is to kind of show what value you add. And the more little bolt-on acquisitions they can do, the more value they bring to the table, the more people they're going to sign up for their platform and the more they're going to spend on the platform. So, I mean, it, it's 
it's to kind of keep the cycle of growth going. Everybody who's, I mean, you could assume that people who just wanted to simplify their, their bill payments already use bill.com or one of their rivals. But people who want to use that, they want to use a bunch of their adjacent services, expense management services, uh, uh, cross-border transfer services, things like that. Every time they add a service, they become more valuable to another subset of those 6 million small businesses. So it, it's over, over time, this could get really huge and kind of create like a snowball like like ecosystem. They could be to small businesses what Square is to small businesses in, in, in the payment processing space. Well, Matt, before we jump into our next story uh, on Affirm, I, we have a little bit of breaking news here as we're recording, and I just we won't dig too much into this, but it, it is something I'd like to at least get your thoughts on because I think it goes back to what we were just talking about here uh, in the value of bringing these new services to these big network of us- these big networks of users. Um, I'm seeing the headline here: PayPal is, is exploring a stock trading platform for its U.S. customers. Reading this on CNBC on their app right now. Uh, I, I mean, I can't say I'm terribly surprised by this. I mean, maybe I'm a little surprised that it's not something they pursued earlier. We've seen Square uh, over the last several quarters talk about the growth that they're seeing in Cash App users dabbling in the market, right? Cash App users that own a, own a stock or purchased a stock. Um, it, it looks like PayPal is... Uh, looking at possibly getting in into something like this as well, uh, leading a service here with it, it's initially being referred to as invest invest at PayPal. Uh, I mean, clearly something that's right up our alley. What what do you think about those plans? Is that uh, something that makes sense for PayPal? Do you think? Well, my first thought was the exact same as yours. Why did it take them so long to do this? <laughs> They've been um, focused on other things, my, I think. <laughs> well, sure, but my my other kind of adjacent thought to that to that is. Is this? Are they late to the party? You know, ha- has everyone else already kind of scooped up the? You know, stock trading exploded in in the middle of 2020, right? I mean, how many how many traders came on the market? In you know, Robinhood blew up. Um, you know, SoFi launched its platform. Square launched its platform. All brokerage went to zero commissions a, a couple of years ago, and that kind of brought a lot of people into the fold. So who are who? Who who's interested in trading stocks doesn't already have a brokerage they go to. Um, so I, I worry if it, they might be a little bit late. I would have preferred to see them do that through acquisition. It's kind of my initial thought. Um, you know, like kind of how Square is not trying to build a buy now, pay later platform because they're late to the party. PayPal already built theirs. Affirm and Afterpay are already out there. So they went and acquired someone who already existed to kind of, you know, make up time for being late to the party. PayPal's late to this party, I think, and I, and I I think they have an uphill battle ahead. Their, their advantage is their massive customer base, especially on Venmo. Um, I, I could see if they if they integrate it into Venmo, I could see it being a big deal. Um, but I don't know if it's going to be a major needle mover for the business. I think it could just be kind of an, a value-added service. Yeah, jumping out there right now, just saying uh... – PayPal management, Dan Shulman, or you know, you guys, uh, not Dan Shulman. I'm sorry, but uh, you guys, please, please don't, don't acquire, don't acquire. I'm sorry, it is Dan Shulman, but don't acquire uh, Robinhood, please. Just, just don't. Like, I would rather see you try to build something and fail than do something like acquiring a Robinhood, and and I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Matt, there is a another company out there today having a really, really good day. And a, I mean, when I say a really, really good day, I mean I'm talking about uh, stock 
up 44% as as we're talking, as we speak. Uh, Affirm, uh, we saw the headline come out uh, at the end of, of last week, Affirm has forged a relationship, a very important relationship, or a potentially very important relationship with Amazon. Uh, Amazon customers will soon have the option to be able to split the total cost of purchases of $50 or more into simple monthly payments by using Affirm. Uh, what do you make of this headline? I mean, this is a big reaction for Affirm and probably a little bit of an overreaction considering this is just just something that's getting, getting, uh, getting some traction here. But Given what we know about a firm, given what we know about its reliance to uh, reliance on another big uh, customer, this is definitely just what the doctor ordered. Yeah, well, as you, you kind of alluded to, their big customer is Peloton, and this couldn't have come at a better time. Peloton, if you have been following, just slashed the price on its bikes, lowered its sales expectations. It's really kind of a, gr- a great time uh, for this to have happened. Um and Affirm, you mentioned the stock is up. I think it was 44% right before I popped on here. It's still about 33% below its 52-week high. So this isn't like a Bill.com that's been like been on a tear for a year and then shot higher. Uh, it's just making up some lost ground. So that's point number one. Um, Amazon, th- this is kind of the – they hit the lottery <laughs> in terms of companies that, that buy now, pay later pr- providers were pursuing. Um, I me- We mentioned uh, when we talked about Square's acquisition of Afterpay – that Amazon was part of their universe, but that was part of Afterpay's app. Afterpay would allow people to split Amazon purchases on their own app. This is Amazon's first direct partnership with a buy now, pay later provider. Um, why is it important? Other than the fact that Amazon's just huge, um, you know, this this is a, a huge needle mover for the company. Um, I was reading that if they can get one percent of Amazon's North American sales volume, one percent. That that would add ten percent to a firm's revenue right away. Yeah, that's one yeah. percent right now. Right now, nine percent of all e-commerce sales globally are buy, are bought through buy now pay later. That's why this is such a red hot space. So if they can get nine percent, you know, the current market size, if they can get nine percent of Amazon's sales volume, I mean, that, that would double their revenue virtually. So I, it, it's a it's a big deal. Yeah, it does have a lot of potential there. And I tell you, when I first read this headline, the first thing I thought of was. I knew that I had seen some form of installment payment option on Amazon before. I mean, I've never used it, but I just knew I had seen it. So I went to go look again to see exactly what I was what I was remembering. And so what they have essentially is just it's it's pay over a, over the course of six months, for example, interest free with your Amazon Prime Rewards Visa card. So they do have an installment payment option. For certain products on Amazon, and that's just something that they run through their Amazon Prime Rewards Visa card. And I mean, I guess you know the next logical question is, well, why not just continue to pursue that? And I think ultimately, at the end of the day, this is just about more choice. It's it's giving your customers more options. And I think from that perspective, I mean, it's a no brainer for Amazon. You're just giving your customers more choices. Uh, but but for a firm, I mean, this is absolutely a this is just a massive win um, for a business where I think a lot of a lot of folks have looked at, at businesses like Afterpay and Affirm and thought, well, those are features that other bigger fintech type companies could just introduce to their to their uh, platforms, and, and certainly we saw Square go ahead and make that acquisition of Afterpay, and 
The natural conversation uh, beyond that was who do we think might acquire a firm, but maybe if maybe this buys a firm a little time to, to, to try to make it on their own. Or maybe if it works, Amazon will acquire them. Um, but if, I mean, there, there are advantages. You mentioned Amazon's credit card. Not everyone wants a new credit card. <laughs> so, I mean, a, a firm has that option. Uh, a purchase wouldn't affect the buyer's credit score if they pr- purchased it on an installment plan as opposed to a credit card. You know, if you max out your credit card, it can be devastating to your score. But if you finance, say, a new t- a new entertainment center, center um, using a firm's uh, installment program, it wouldn't sh- it wouldn't affect your credit score adversely. So there are, there are some big benefits for co- for consumers to do this, um, where it would really make sense. I mean, I don't want to max out credit card showing on my credit. So if I, if I were to finance a big purchase. That could be a good option for me because I know it won't affect my credit score as long as I pay it on time. Well, we shall see how this shakes out for a firm. No doubt, uh, good news for the business and for a firm shareholders. Uh, it, it spreads the the risk around for them a little bit, less reliance on one big customer. And uh, honestly, when you consider Amazon, I, I mean that is a massive network of a lot of third party providers as well. So uh, tremendous potential there, no no doubt about it. And uh, certainly understand the market's enthusiasm. Uh, Matt, real quick before we wrap up, let's just give our uh, listeners here a couple of stocks to watch for the coming week. What's a stock that you have got your eye on this uh, this coming week? Uh, I'm watching Encino, ticker symbol NCNO. They provide that bank operating system. We've talked about them on the show before. Uh, the first quarter numbers were good. Their second quarter guidance isn't calling for a lot of growth. Um, it's co- it's calling for revenue to rise by you know maybe 1% versus the first quarter. Uh, it's calling for subscription revenue to tick up by a million dollars, which is about a 2% gain. Um, and it's still calling for a small operating loss. I if there was one company this week that I think could surprise the market, it would be Encino. All right, Encino. Well, I'm going to keep an eye on DocuSign as we're wrapping up our uh, earnings season. And DocuSign reports on Thursday after the market closes, ticker DOCU. Uh, DocuSign seems to have a pretty good track record of underpromising and overdelivering. They're calling for uh, revenue growth this quarter of 40 to 42%. Wouldn't shock me to see them exceed that. Uh, billings growth they're guiding for 35 to 38 percent and billings is always interesting just because the the actual numbers in billings and the guidance for billings billings can come some there's some timing issues there they can be a little bit lumpy and it can create some it can make make the market maybe think there's some problems there that that aren't really actually there so it's always worth keeping an eye on those billings numbers because that can open up a little bit of a window of opportunity uh sometimes but i i just thought it was really impressive uh, last quarter, they saw customers with an annual spend greater than three hundred thousand uh, dollars. Those customers, that customer base, grew forty-two percent from a year ago. Uh, so clearly, they are doing something right. They just crossed the one million customer mark, uh, and they continue to grow uh, those those big spending customers as well. So. Looking for hopefully another very good quarter from DocuSign, um, you know, one that we enjoy following here in the Foolish Universe, one that has performed very well for a lot of our listeners and members alike. Uh, but those are the companies we'll keep an eye on. Matt, I think that's going to do it for us this week. I uh, listen. I appreciate you juggling juggling everything that you got going on this week and being able to find the time to join us. Of course, I mean, hey, that's what we're all doing these that's days. Right. So that's right. We we do what we can. Well, that's going to do it for us, folks. Remember, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at MFIndustryFocus, or you can drop us an email at IndustryFocus at Fool.com. 
As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Thanks, as always, to Tim Sparks for putting the show together for us. For Matt Frankel, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.